You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Strelko here, and this is the Sons of UCF Live. Let's welcome in Adam and Mike. Guys, a championship is on the line. Just how we drew it up, Trace, just how we thought it would happen this year. Every twist, every turn, we saw it all coming, but uh, we still have everything in front of us, so it's a good day, my friends. This is what we said at the beginning of the year. Can we get to championship Saturday? Here we are. Would have been nice to be at home, but we got to do it the hard way. That's fine with me, too. The hard way, uh, you mean like the second half near complete implosion in Tampa on Saturday night. You guys documented it well on the podcast earlier this week. Knights win that one 46-39. But as Mike said, and as I listened, the moment that stays with you, you know, that viral call, Adam, play it. Yeah, Va a buscar el pase hacia la izquierda. Alec Holler's game-winning touchdown is called by Carlos Borges and his partner Sergio Ruiz Torres. That just sums up all the joy there it took a while to get there in that second half but knights victorious yeah it was a roller coaster man i mean it certainly was a roller coaster tale of two halves uh, obviously in the second half it seemed like everything that could go wrong was going wrong uh and certainly that that game ended up being closer than we wanted it but i'm, I'm gonna pull the gus Mel's on here i'm gonna say hey the positive was we, we, we fought through adversity. We were down. You know, we had a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of errors kind of going our way. We still find a way to win. That's what we had to do. We got to where we want to. We can put that one behind us, leave the cows in West Tampa forever and move forward. So it wasn't pretty. It should have been a little bit more of a blowout, but a win's a win, and we'll take it. The one thing you can't say about this team is they don't know how to pull out a close one. They've done it a couple times now. They did it against Cincinnati, down to the wire, and now this one. They made it interesting. They didn't have to make it interesting. But it, it makes it more exciting for us looking back on it. And, and you have those memories now being in the stadium when he scored that touchdown and winning the game. It was fun. I think it was good that the referee on field called it a touchdown first and not out of bounds because I don't know how it would have survived uh, the replay challenge. Otherwise, uh, tight end Alec Holler, he's been the man of the moment. He has really had a stretch here. But let's not forget yeah. at Tulane, that holler hop, uh, you know, uh, extending his body for the first down. A former walk-on earns the scholarship, a local kid who cheered the Knights on from the stands. Uh, he has talked about, uh, you know, the big moment, uh, of course, giving credit to his teammates. Mikey Keene coming on uh, in place of an injured John Rice Plumley. This was Alec Holler's reaction 
he said to the game-winning touchdown catch. Oh yeah, I was, my phone was blown up. It was, it was funny. I had gotten some texts from people that I hadn't, I hadn't heard from in a while, which is just kind of funny. But I mean, just a lot of um, just a lot of support, and I really appreciate like all the messages and just all the night nations, just energy and just the support for our whole team after we won that game. And then you touched on another guy that doesn't have to buy anything when he's out in a, a pub or a restaurant in Orlando, right? I mean, Nike fans going to take care of Al Collard for a long time to come. Yeah, such a good story, too. Obviously, Tracy told it at the press conference on Monday, walk on, knee injury, you know, kind of working his way up to depth chart. You know, wasn't sure how much time he was going to get. New staff comes in, not sure what his playing time looks like. And you said it. I mean, we've talked about it on uh, on the show we're doing this week uh, with with Andy. Um, all the all the blocking uh, that he's done this year, uh, he's been integral in that part of the game. The huge catch against Memphis, the holler hop, and obviously now the the holy holler here in, at at the cows. I mean, you got to feel good for a kid like that. He, he he grew up rooting for UCF, bleeds black and gold, and uh, it, it's kind of one of those movie type uh, deals, right? Like I could see this being a movie one day. So hopefully, it's only a movie though if we win. So I'm gonna need him to go ahead and, and do something <laughs> in uh, Tulane on Saturday. I'm glad his phone was blowing up because if we would have lost that game, my phone would have been blowing up and it wouldn't have been nice. It would have been a lot of insults flying my way. So he saved me from that. And, and do we get another year of, of Holler? Is he coming back? Does he have that extra COVID year well, or whatever? He, if wasn't he this his extra year uh, this year? I don't this know. This was his extra year. I'm asking you guys. I thought I, I thought I heard an unconfirmed rumor that there's potential he's coming back. So I, I don't know if I, I, I unconfirmed that rumor, but it's possible. Uh, Night Nation, you're watching. Drop it in the comments and let us know if you know that answer better than we do. We turn attention now to the AAC championship game. Of course, the loss to Navy a couple of weeks ago at home on senior day means UCF finds itself in a position where it's got to go on the road back to New Orleans. Knights 22nd ranked in the CFE, Tulane 18th ranked Saturday for Eastern 3 Central, also on ABC. Green Wave have had a heck of a year, 10 and 2 on the season. Uh, they're favored slightly at home. So, uh, you know, I think that's the differential there, the, the home. But UCF proved a, a couple of weeks ago that it could win on the road. And a key in that game was John Rice Plumley, who, as we talked about all week now, left that game earlier with a hamstring injury. He's been doing uh, radio earlier with Mark Daniels uh, and as well other spots this week saying he's going to play. Gus Malzahn says he's going to play. May not be 100 percent, but Coach Malzahn says he hasn't been for a couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, Gus was really doing the media tour today. He was on every radio show in America, uh, and he said the same thing. John Rice is going to play. You know, he's not 100%, but who is 100%? Uh, and I guess we'll see how limited he is. Uh, my assumption would be he's good enough to go. Now, will he be able to do the things we saw? I, I don't know, Trace. What's funny is Gus led everyone to believe post game that this has been an injury that John Rice has been dealing with for about a month now. So I'd love to have an injured hamstring and play like that for a month. Uh, I, I get from my, my couch to my fridge, and I, and I have to keel <laughs> over. But um, So we'll see how healthy he can be. Um, and, and this is a two-lane team that we have to – I understand we beat them the last time uh, they went to Cincinnati on the road, which and, and no one has beaten them in 30 plus games. They pulled off that win. Uh, they're obviously going to be in front of their home crowd. Uh, so it's going to be a, a tough battle. Uh, and I know we, we do the myth of it's tough to beat the same team twice in one year, um, but we've obviously been there. We have the blueprint. We were literally just on that field three weeks ago with a win. Um, so a lot of things could fall in our favor, but I think somebody said it best in the comments earlier. Week to week, you never know which UCF team you're going to get. I saw people talking about this being like the 2013 Cardiac Knights. This isn't Cardiac Knights. This is Bipolar Knights because you never know what you're going to get from quarter to quarter, from half to half. You got to be a little concerned if he can finish the game, right? The last two games in a row, he's had to come out at halftime. One time it was the shoulder. This time it's the hamstring. How healthy is he? We're lucky we have Mikey Keene there to back us up. I don't know why UCF just doesn't use that magic spray that you see a lot in soccer and in the World Cup. Just spray it on the, on the hamstring Boom. and he'll be, yeah. he'll be fine. Uh, Mike, I know you talked about preseason. You said that the goal here, get to maybe not necessarily win uh, the American Athletic Conference Championship game. And that was a question I asked. It went back and forth on my Twitter poll this week. Do you consider this a successful season? Not yet slipped ahead. It's our friend at Go Knights underscore Paul J. Can we just be happy we're in the conference championship and stop second guessing our coaching staff? We've had a successful season. Life is great. Mike, you would have voted yes, right? They're in that championship game no matter the outcome. Yeah, it's a successful season. Is it a great season? Well, then we have to win. 
now we're here. Now that we're here, we got to get greedy. We got to go for the win, and it, that changes everything. So it's a good year. That right now, it's at least as good as 2012, 2005. Those were good seasons. We got to the championship game. Is it going to be a fantastic season like 2017, 18? You know, you go there, you go to a to a New Year's Six game. That's a completely different story. Well, you know, the stakes in this one as well. That if you lose this game, I mean, you win Cotton Bowl, lose and where yeah, Shreveport. Boston in late December. So I think uh, when I phrased it as not yet, I think fans are waiting to see the outcome of this before they determine success. Adam. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want the trophy, right? I want to be holding the trophy. And I think if I'm holding the trophy, it's a, it's a resounding yes. Uh, if after Saturday, I'm not holding the trophy, it's probably a yes, but I'm going to need a few days to like do the autopsy on the season to kind of understand how we ended up here. To Mike's point, it's a good year. It's a year five years from now, 10 years from now. We'll all look back and say, hey, remember that 2022 team? We won nine, 10 games, whatever it is. And, you know, we went to this bowl and it was a great season. But I, I'm going to need some time if we don't win this one to do the autopsy on this one. But I need that trophy. If I'm holding the trophy, resounding yes. If I'm not, give me a couple of days. Let me think about it. Well, let's talk about this game, the game just passed, the war on I-4, and as well, this weekend's game in Tulane with Drew Johnson, writes for Elite Empire Athletes uh, at Real News 102 on Twitter, another return guest on Sons of UCF Live. Drew, welcome back. Yes, sir, man. I thank you all for having me back on. You know, I, I even dress a little bit more casual this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you fit right in. Now, be honest, okay? We had opportunity to sit uh, near each other in the press box. Uh, I was pretty calm, right, even when things were imploding there in the third quarter? Yeah, yeah no, things were definitely imploding. Uh, they were up 28-0 at the half. Uh, to see that, you know, that, that was pretty crazy. But, man, I kind of want to talk about that catch a little bit. Me and Trace, shout out to Trace for sneaking me down on the field. We end up uh, being able to see that Alec Holler catch right there on the field. So that was pretty amazing to take in that atmosphere. Yeah. Well, sneak. I don't know about sneak. Our, whoa, our credentials whoa. allowed us access there yeah, was, the, hey, the last Trace, five minutes. But there was some issue. There was a couple um, bulldogs down there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there were a couple of people who said, you're not allowed to be down here. Hey, uh, don't you know who we are? We, on, we, we hold that <laughs> Uh, but 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 talk about that uh, the the moment down there on the field we're in the end zone when that play how did it look to you man like I said just to take in that atmosphere with everything on the line you know a conference championship uh, appearance on the line you're playing your rival likely for the last time for a while uh, just taking out my phone there man I just I'm just glad I got had my phone out at that time so. Um, it was amazing. Like I said, uh, uh, that was probably the craziest thing that I got to see in person. Uh, probably just the craziest thing in general. So I was just glad to be there. Uh, that's all I can say about that. All right, Drew, coming out of that game, obviously, a lot closer than any of us wanted it to be. Probably a lot closer than it really should have been. What's your level of concern with what you saw from the Knights? Do you think this is one of those, hey, it's a rivalry game, you know, bleep happens, let's just yep. move on? Or is there any concern that you that you think after what you saw? Yeah, Adam, and just analyzing that game, uh, I think UCF definitely struggled uh, with turnovers. Um, I think uh, R.J. Harvey had a, a fumble there, uh, and I think Mikey Keene had an issue with the mesh point handoff and uh, had a fumble there. But that kind of turned, you know, the, the momentum, right, and gave UCF, USF a little bit of hope. So I think uh, UCF definitely needs to tighten up when it comes to turnovers, and, and, and the, the defense has to do better with stopping the run. Because when you take a look at Tulane and take a look at Tajay Spears, man, that's a guy that's going to pound the rock this, this Saturday. So they're definitely going to have to be able to slow down the, one, the run and make tackles uh, when they get the chance. Getting back to that holler catch for a second, you look like a pretty athletic guy. If I was just throwing the ball to you you know, out in the parking lot, how many tries would it take for you to replicate that catch? Man, Alex said he caught it with his with his offhand. So I don't, I, it would, I don't know, man. I'm right-handed. And it would, if I had to catch it with my left, I play basketball, so I could do a little left-hand layup here and there. So I'll probably catch a couple. But I would, that was a great catch, man. That was a great catch for real. Would you have you have a name for it? I, some people are calling it the Holy Holler. Do you, have you come up with I'll, anything else? No, I'll stick with the Holy Holler. You know, Alec, I, talking to him in the press conference, he said he's he seen that too. I guess he seemed to like, we'll, we'll stick with that one. We'll stick with that one, Mike. You know, we've been talking about that catch, but what gets lost there is just, you know, a little bit before was Javon Baker, who has come yeah. up throughout the season with a lot of really great catches. He's been a tremendous addition to the wide receiver room. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think Javon Baker – is going to have probably one of his – he's going to have to have one of his best games next week, right, against Tulane. 
um, especially just the whole wide receiver group in a whole. Uh, they're going to have to get open because their offensive lines definitely uh, come along. They're giving the, the quarterback time to make some plays. So that wide receiver group is going to have to get open to make plays. Um, I'll talk about my guy that, that's going to have to, you know, impact player that's going to have to make some plays in, in importance. But Javon Baker is definitely one of those guys. All right, Drew, we get content anywhere we can around here at the Sons of UCF. On the podcast this week, Mike's daughter asked a question to Mike that he couldn't answer, which is not surprising, by the way. Uh, Mike then asked that question to me. I don't know that I can answer it either, so I'll ask it to you because you seem like you may know more than both of us combined. Who is UCF's best player? If someone said to you, who's the best player on UCF, what would your answer be? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, I would say this year it has to be John Rice Plumley, right? Uh, when you look at the whole body of his work, um, it was him using his feet, him making plays with his arm. Uh, he's missed a couple halves, and I, I think he's, he almost had, what, 12 rushing touchdowns? And, and I remember talking uh, talking with you guys last time when we kind of tried to predict what he had. I think he's been the most uh, X factor and most impact player on this team. Uh, I know R.J. Harvey's one of those guys as well. Man, uh, there's a couple other – but. I think Jason, I'll get, man, I got a, I got a few guys. <laughs> Jason Johnson too, man. Uh, being able to, uh, to, 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 I guess Tatum Bethune, lose Tatum Bethune, lose Bryson Armstrong, lose two of your top tacklers, and Jason and, and an FCS guy to come in and, and to lead the, the defensive group and tackles, man, that's a guy you got to put a star around too, right? Um, but John Rice Plumley is definitely a guy that I don't, I don't know where UCF would be if they didn't have him on the offense. You mentioned Plumlee, but a lot of people would say Mikey Keene, maybe even the actual better quarterback. He's he's the one that threw that touchdown to win the game. He's the one who came back and beat Cincinnati. What do you think about the way Gus has handled the, the whole quarterback situation this year? Uh, I think he's handled it well, man. I think John Rice Plumlee was his guy. Uh, I think when you look back at last year, they kind of had the quarterback issue, kind of trying to put two guys in. So I think he wanted to choose one guy and go with him. Uh, but when he struggled, he's put in Keen. So I got to come in Keen, right? He's definitely came in and did his thing, uh, especially with the limited reps he's had this uh, this year. Uh, having that year, what he's had last year, I, I would have wanted to come in and start. But uh, he's definitely a disciplined guy, a mature guy. And when he come in, he does what he has to do. So I commend Mikey Keen, man. That's a good guy. I don't know if he'll transfer or not, but you got to shout out to him, right? Earlier, you talked about what you think the defense needs to do. Mm -hmm. Who do you think's key – to making those things happen, the, the, the yeah. tackles, the stops. And yeah. what's your confidence level after what you saw last week? Man, ooh, they almost gave up 300 rushing yards to USF. Um, I think that's going to be a heavy dosage of Tajay Spears. Uh, when you look at that guy, man, he, he hasn't had less than 130 rushing yards, I think, since like October 15th. Um, that guy's going to play on Sundays. Uh, he can catch out the backfield. He can run in between the tackles. So it's going to come back. It's going to come down to uh, especially Ricky Barber making some plays uh, right there in the middle. Uh, Montalvo's done a great this season, definitely right there, solidifying that middle. But it's going to come down to Jer uh, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste and uh, Jason Johnson right there uh, in the linebacker group uh, and, and keying in on Tajay Spears wherever he's at because there's going to be a heavy dosage of him. So that's going to be those two key guys. Drew, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep stealing content here. You saw Trace's poll question, people asking, based on where UCF's at right now, right? Uh, obviously, you lose the Navy. You think it's all over. You beat the Cows, you know, barely. Now we're limping into a championship game, quite literally, with JRP. Is yeah. this a, a successful season in your mind? And does UCF need to win this game and advance to New Year's Six in order to make it a successful season? No, I kind of agree with Mike, man. This is definitely, uh, I think, a successful season. You, you're going to the conference championship. Uh, you know, you're moving on to the Big 12 next year. You get, you got a chance to play in the New York Six Bowl, possibly the uh, Cotton Bowl. Um, so that I, I think it's a, a successful season. I know you might not get 12 wins or whatever, you know, what they're used to in the, in the 16, 17 season. But uh, it's got 11 wins uh, on the horizon, and you can win a conference championship and win a New York Six Bowl. Come on now. Moving on to, uh, to the Big 12, that's going to solidify some recruits and, uh, and keep that momentum rolling on into next season. Same answer if they lose? Oh, good question, Trace. Um, if they win the conference championship, it's a successful season. Because, man, when I take a look at that roster, you know, we've been covering the team since the beginning of the season. I, I, they got a, This is probably one of the better teams they've had, uh, especially when you insert a guy that can uh, make plays at the quarterback position like a John Rice Plumley, and you got a backup that can come in like Mikey King. This is a year that you got to 
got to uh, stamp your flag in the AAC, right, before you move on to the Big 12. So I think you got to win an AAC championship uh, for it to be a successful season. Let's say that does happen. We win. We go to the Cotton Bowl. There's a couple of different matchups we could have there. Is there somebody you want to see? Do you want to see Tennessee and Hypel? Do you want Alabama? Do you want Penn State? Yeah. What's your preference? Those are definitely the teams that I took a look at um, this week, a Penn State or Tennessee. But that would be cool to see a Tennessee, right, to go against a Josh Hypel. Um, so I'll, I'll choose Tennessee. But um, – I guess if we lined up against Alabama, that would be cool for the fans, right? I think they all want to see that. <laughs> that would be pretty hype. Or do fans just want to continue to lord over Alabama uh, if they're 1-0? Nah, hey, bring on Bama. That's what they want. We'll take it. We'll take it. Let's uh, let's wrap up with this. What? How do you see this playing out? You've, we know what John Rice Plumley you know, had to leave the game early with a hamstring injury. All reports now. Coach Malzahn, John Rice saying he's going to play. Maybe not 100%. How do you see this playing out after what we saw there just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, so, Trace, I think this game is going to come down to, you know, who limits turnovers and, uh, you know, who's disciplined with the football. You know, both of these teams are balanced on both sides of the ball. You know, they both have impact players. Uh, take a look at Tulane uh, and what Willie Fritz has done over there, especially since going from 2-10 and 10 last year and going to a conference championship this year. you got to respect what they've done, right? they got a, a veteran quarterback or, or a disciplined guy and Michael Pratt. Um, under center, uh, a really good defense too. So it's going to be a good game. UCF's going to have to bring their game. They're, they're going to have uh, John Rice Plumley is going to have to have his best game. Um, especially, he's going to have to understand when to use his legs and be an X factor. Um, so man, this is going to be a big game. I know the fans want this one. I definitely want this one as well. Being a student, uh, you know, uh, graduating in a couple weeks, it'll be awesome. You know, for UCF to win a conference championship in my last year. So this is a big one. Um, I know Adam said uh, it's a benefit, right, for being able to play there for your second time, be, uh, being in that atmosphere and being able to pull off a big win like that. So I think that, that that's a benefit for UCF. Gus Malzona is going to have a, a, a big job getting them prepared for this game because they struggle going to ECU, and we've seen uh, coming out lackadaisical against Navy. So they're going to have to come out with some energy. That's going to be big. Coach Malzahn said that he doesn't need a big rah-rah speech, but clearly he needs to say to the guys, we got to do it for Drew. Yeah, he's, hey, he's man. graduating. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Man. I appreciate that. Uh, Drew, thanks for all your work that you do with uh, Elite Empire Athletes. Enjoy your content. Thanks for hopping awesome. back on with us. Congratulations on graduation. Man, I respect what y'all do over here, man. I appreciate y'all for having me, back, having me back on. And go Knights. I know some there's in the chat they turned up a little bit, so this is a big one. And let, let's let, let's yeah, go out. The, the chat's right? a, the chat's a dark place, Drew. You want to you want to stay out of there? <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. So hey, this night, guy, hey, this guy thinks you look ten years older than he does. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Come on, Andy. Come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's the beer. It's the beer. You want me to save the beer for y'all? Is, is that what y'all want me to do? Well, Andy looks like he's ten. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So fair. can't awesome. go by Andy here. <laughs> Drew, thanks for being with us on Suns Live. Peace, man. Thank y'all. Thanks, Drew. Thank you, Drew. You know, I want to go back to this Alec Collar catch. Did you like the play call? Uh, we've talked about the catch, but did you like the play call? I did. I did. I, I know. Again, I was uh, ready shameless. just to run the ball one more time and kick a field goal, to be honest, and not give them the ball back at all. I mean, if you could have centered the ball a little bit. It would have been a 31 yarder. Uh, Boomer's been perfect all year. I, I would have, that probably would have been my play instead of throwing it. Yeah, we a shameless plug, Trace, obviously on Andy and, and the breakdown show we do. Uh, he, he's kind of shown we've had this wrinkle throughout the season a couple times. It hasn't been there. But if you think about this, right, Mikey threw it either one spot. It's going to be out of bounds. It's going to be a catch. Um, if it's out of bounds, we still have the fourth down to kick a field goal. Sure, I would have liked to have a third down in my pockets if I blow a snap or something happens like that. But there was a good play call. Obviously, it's something I think Gus had set up. Uh, you can tell he had a little wrinkle off it than what he's done in the past. So uh, all in all, I mean, Mikey kind of heaved that thing up there. So I, I think it's a low-risk play. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And uh, we got lucky in that one. So uh, not that I don't trust um, Colton Boomer, but a freshman kicker on the road with your rival, everything on the line. I mean, I'd rather put six on the board uh, than, uh, than wait on the, on the kick. Speaking of Colton Boomer, segue alert, Colton Boomer, you know, has the, the merch store at coltonboomer.com. He's given us some merchandise to give away here over the next couple of shows. We just need you to give us a good five-star review, and we will choose uh, one of those next week, week after, and we'll give away some merch over the next couple of weeks, compliments of uh, 
true freshman kicker Colton Boomer. And be sure to check out ColtonBoomer.com for uh, backstory on him, all that he's involved with. And uh, he's been donating proceeds from sales of merchandise to charity. So that's uh, that's been a nice thing to see from him. So five-star review. We'll promote that on social media as well. Uh, and we want to hear from you with a, with a positive review. So uh, win some Colton Boomer merchandise. We'll give that away on the next show. Uh, news and notes, uh, all-conference team. Any surprises here? You like the first uh, team all-conference? Uh, Ryan Swoboda, Lokahi Paule, Ricky Barber, Traymond Morris-Brash, Jason Johnson. Feel good about all those? Yeah, yeah, no, no qualms with uh, with, with those. I think Swoboda was the only one that I, I guess made low key. I hadn't really been tracking all years having a sort of a first team type season, but um, certainly I think deserving of an award. So I don't have any any qualms with who's on the list. I think if you asked us before the season, we wouldn't have said we would have had two guys on the first team from the offensive line. I think we probably would have said maybe a running back or wide receiver. So uh, that took me by a little bit by surprise, and then to have a linebacker too, and Jason Johnson. Um, some, some surprises for me. Second team, Ryan O'Keefe, Sam Jackson, Matt Lee, Isaiah Bowser. Interesting. All the concerns about the offensive line throughout the season. And you've got several guys between first and second team. Yeah. I mean, these are veteran guys, obviously. And we, we knew we had a veteran group. I think the challenge was going to be, could it, could they all kind of cohesively work together? You know, being the first time that five, uh, that five man unit playing together, Sam Jackson moving around. So I think we, we knew we had the talent there. This kind of shows, you know, where we are too. So somebody in the chat is asking about Javon Baker. Uh, I think receivers are just so tough. I don't know if they've had enough opportunities this year to, to maybe catch as many passes as, as other players in the American conference. But um, you know, I think, uh, Bowser's second team. He's a, he's a touchdown, uh, hog at the goal line there. I mean, he's pretty much automatic from three yards and, and in. So, um, you know, I think a pretty good list surprised JRP didn't make it anywhere on here. Just the numbers are so eye popping. I know he didn't play every game and he's number of games, missing, right? uh, number, m- number of quarters, but the numbers themselves are so eye popping. I was surprised he didn't show up in this list someplace. I, I think the guys that voted on this, just look at the numbers. I mean, if they broke down each game, they could see how big of, uh, a contributor Javon Baker was and all the big plays he made. He doesn't have the stats maybe as some of the other guys. And then the offensive linemen get credit for the, the runs that Plumlee and these other guys are putting up too. So um, I don't know how much credit I, or how much I put into these uh, awards things. Well, we know you, we know you don't like the awards and I know you don't like the watch list, but are you willing to like this one where the Manley award uh, Alex Ward now one of the final three, just as he was last year, didn't win it. Back in the final three again, Mike. You're, you're all right with that. We can talk about that one. You're, you're okay with? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I'd love to see the guys that are actually watching the long snapper on every team. I mean, uh, how much of this is name recognition? And then uh, again, did he have any bad snaps? No. Okay, then he stays on the list. Oh, he he botched one. All right, he's off the list. I, I, uh, what role did he have in that 64 yard <laughs> Colton Boomer uh, <laughs> attempt? Uh, that, he doesn't need to submit that play. Uh, on his tape. It was a good snap still. I mean, it wasn't like it was his fault. <laughs> he got it there. What do you want him to do? Yeah, that uh, that was, of course, Colton Boomer's only miss on the season uh, from a field goal perspective. And now, you know, all the uh, po- uh, bowl projections have Tulane going to the Cotton Bowl, assume Tulane a win. And I think that's in large part because they're hosting. If this game was in Orlando, I think you'd see all those predictions calling for UCF. But now, a loss and back to that question of whether this is a successful season or not cbs sports independence versus coastal espn fenway versus wake forest or armed forces versus kansas 24 7 sticking with cure versus western kentucky action network back to the gasparilla versus byu hard hard to see those uh bowl projections when you know you're so close to the cop yeah, I'm not looking at any of those right now, Trey. So one track mine. We got a game Saturday. We'll figure it out after that. I know you love the the bowl projections. You've been Contact. doing this since like July for some I reason. I have no idea how you did that. Uh, but don't talk to me until until Sunday. Talk to me on Sunday about bowls. I'm like Henry Hill and Goodfellas. Just no matter what, just no place cold. Okay, I don't want to go anywhere <laughs> cold. Send me to well, somewhere in Florida. Forecast looks good Saturday in New Orleans, 70s at game uh, time. And uh, let's talk about this one a little more. Return guest had her just here a couple of weeks ago, Maddie Hudak, sideline reporter on the radio broadcast crew for Tulane. Maddie, welcome back to Suns Live. Thanks for having me. I, again, I said I kind of hoped that we would get to do this again, and I'm glad that that ended up working out in the end. I was very confident, wasn't I, when I messaged you after <laughs> Tulane beat Cincinnati? 
fully expecting there to be no problem on Saturday for UCF. I told Adam, I go, Maddie's back in. He's like, too soon. Let's get the he W. Did. He, did. <laughs> he did. He was he was upset with me that I had a guest booking already. Like, Maddie, let's let's dig into this first before we talk about this game. What, what's going on with sellout gate here? Come on now. Come on. You announce a sellout on Sunday every day. More tickets are being released. What's going on there? I, I'm not going to pretend like I am the authority on, on ticketing questions, but from what I've at least been able to gather based on the uh, discussions I've seen on Twitter, if you will, uh, the AAC has a certain allotment of tickets as well that get put out to every team, which kind of surprised me a bit if that's true because, I mean, no offense, but I really wouldn't have much interest in going to like a random AAC championship game that didn't have my team in it, but that's at least what I saw. Um, I otherwise don't know much about that situation, but I don't think, you know, Tulane performs better on the road sometimes in a way. So it's not as if home field advantage is so quintessential to this matchup that I see them doing anything intentional. There's, I, I also think that the conference is in charge of a lot of that stuff. Like we had to apply for credentials and I'm like, Corey, what if we get denied? Do we just not cover the game? But <laughs> well, the press box is a little tight. It can be a little stuck. So you're a we little skeptical. You're a little skeptical that this is a, this is a, you know, full sellout at this point in the week. Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, if you came, if you, if, if Memphis sold out, I don't know what, you know, for homecoming, I don't know why this wouldn't sell out to be honest. All right, we'll take that, Maddie. Obviously, uh, we'll get to the game in a second. Tulane has been in the news this week, not because they're playing in this game, but also the rumors with Willie Fritz and the flirtation potentially with Georgia Tech, and he took the job. He didn't take the job. Now he doesn't have the job. Now he gave the job up. Somebody else has the job. How much of this noise do you think has impacted the team and, and everybody around Tulane this week? The team, I would honestly say none. Just looking at what they put into their preparation this week, I think that, quite honestly, they had this marked on their calendar the second that – they, we ended up losing you guys a couple of weeks back. I think that everyone kind of expected this to be the final matchup of this conference, even though they're, you know, Cincinnati sneaking in was certainly not out of the question, but you guys just kind of beat Tulane in a bad, you know, it, that was a hard way to lose to a team. Just really, you know, John Rice Plumley and, and I will laugh at my score prediction from the last time, which literally came out of nowhere. Um, Cause I, <laughs> Knocked you. Do you guys. remember what you said by chance? It's something like 27 to 14 too late, <laughs> which like I don't even think made any sense on either side. It was just a random. I like I'm notoriously bad for giving like score agami score predictions that like have to have weird things take place. So I'm not the one for that. But John Rice Plumley, I think, really surprised Tulane's defense to start off. And I do remember there being this moment where someone made mention of the fact that y'all had brought in heaters and we didn't have them on our sideline and it got really cold during that game. And I honestly saw a lot of brain freeze kind of going on on Tulane's side. I found it interesting that they actually brought heaters in to our sideline for that Thursday's game. But I mean, the players had a meeting with Willie on Monday, but they also held their own meeting by themselves. And just seeing, you know, I've spent a lot of time looking at the defense and what they've been prepping for, this game and, and really just the attention to detail has not wavered at all. The practice vibes have not changed whatsoever. And, you know, they, at the end of the day, have a coach that per what the athletics said, basically said, you know, if, if it's this job or me coaching the championship game, I'm coaching the championship game. So any potential distractions, I think have been fully snuffed out by now. And thankfully, so you guys have played a lot better since the last time we played you. You blew out SMU a couple weeks ago. You went on the road, beat Cincinnati. The game against us, you had a bunch of drop passes. Is that something that's been common throughout the season, or is that kind of just credit to nerves in that game? And, and you expect any more nerves this game? I don't even know if it was nerves. It was really bizarrely uncharacteristic of of Tulane's receivers. You know, there there were two drops in the opening drive, the first pass, and then. The third, you know, they went three and out and it, it kind of just spiraled downhill from there. Um, that was more of a problem last year, way more so. Um, I, I think that the position group coaching has improved a lot. I really think John McMenamin, our wide receivers coach, has just brought a lot of fundamentals to the position. And they brought in some key guys like Lawrence Keyes, who 
I, I thought would be a little more involved in the offense earlier on in this season, but perhaps he's just kind of getting more up to speed or they're just kind of figuring out his role for him. But he's really been a quintessential part of that for me. And Deuce Watts, I think, should have like several more receptions on a stat sheet than he did with some of the ones that he's had overturned lately. But when they had to make a convincing march downfield and take the lead back from Cincinnati, they did it really commandingly in the air and the receiver stepped up when they needed to. So it's, it's not to say that it's a guarantee, but it's also, I don't think the heart of the offense either, but the UCF one stands out as one of the, you know, the worst opening quarters of, of the defense this season by far, one of their worst rushing defenses of the season, but wide receivers worst see uh, game of the season without question. After seeing how South Florida ran the ball Saturday in Tampa, I think a lot of night fans are reluctant to see Ty J Spears on Saturday. What's it like to cover him? What's he like off the field? It's really, it, to say that it's been a pleasure, I don't think does it justice. I, I just, these guys on Tulane's team, you know, I sound like it, it's easy for me to, you know, say that they're great guys, but he was one of the first people that I really connected with in the program. When I started last year, I, came on in, I think about a week into training camp. And then a couple weeks later, we all got evacuated to a really tense and just kind of miserable situation in Birmingham. And it was kind of hard to want to almost burden them more with, you know, trying to formulate relationships uh, after, you know, losing the opening game to Oklahoma. And then everything just went really downhill from Ole Miss, but he was just one of those first guys that I connected with. And he's just so humble he did an interview with my friend over the summer where she asked him about his most memorable performances from Tulane. And he forgot Memphis last year where he has, you know, the fourth single game rushing output in Tulane history and all top three are Matt Forte. But that game in Cincinnati, he played every game snap and I haven't seen him do that yet. And I don't think he's done that since coming back from his injury in 2020. But when he's out on the field, you, every defense has to pay attention to him and to win AAC Offensive Player of the Year as the first non-quarterback to win the award. Sometimes, it, you know, it usually goes to the quarterbacks by default, and sometimes it does just feel like a gimme, but this really felt like a well-earned award for a guy who's just so dynamic as a running back and a pass catcher and a blocker. He really is just everything you could ask for, and I really look forward to seeing him on Sundays next year. Maddie, what do you think Tulane needs to do differently to to win this week? Obviously, you, you saw the game when when we were there a few weeks back. What do you want to see Tulane do differently this game that they didn't do the previous game? On both sides of the ball, start a lot stronger than they did. Not whether it's a strong rushing attack to start the game, uh, or they go back to the air air game, which I don't anticipate again being as uncharacteristically bad as it was against you guys the first time. But going three and out would not really speak well for them. Uh, and I did just see someone's comment about the only team that he had thrown for over 200 yards in the last five games was UCF. Uh, a, a lot of that was the fact that they had to because you guys were beating us the entire time. But a lot of that also is that this offense really just takes what the defense gives them and it's very complimentary and it's centered around uh, a star running back. So he's also thrown three career highs this season and has improved his completion percentage by 10%. But I mean, the defense, man, if John Rice Plumlee is starting, that what what happened last time can't happen again. And you guys have a lot of motion in the backfield, a lot of things happening at the same time. And the players got got by it the first time, and they let. I think that just gets so out of hand in that first quarter that I thought they fought well for the rest of the game, but you guys really had to just kind of hold on to that lead, and it never really felt like. Didn't feel like Tulane was out of it, but it never really felt like the momentum shifted onto their side of things either. So to take that momentum and, and grab it from the start, I think, is is really important for Tulane this game. Before you came on, we were discussing whether this was already a successful season for UCF just getting to the championship game. I have to think you guys coming off a two-win season, you have to be already classifying this as a successful season, win or lose this one, right? Absolutely. I think it would be heart crushing just after, again, what they have done these last two seasons to go from two and 10 to 10 to two and to be the one saying we're going to the conference championship back in January. And anyone that said they believe them at all at that time is crazy or lying. And, you know, I was high on the fact that I thought they would make a bowl this year, but it really has taught me a lesson in believing in myself, to be honest with you. And no one else really does. And the fact that with the transfer portal and NIL and the conference realignments, all of that happening last season, there was so 
many things in flush that there was every reason for these guys to hit the transfer portal. And the fact that only one of the starters from last year did, and these guys all saw something here to win the games that they've won in the way that they have, you know, the road game against Kansas state, Willie Fritz's first power five win where the defense makes four fourth down stops with second and third string guys on one of those. And then Willie just goes for it on fourth down to win the game. And then they beat Houston in overtime with their third string quarterback who wasn't supposed to start. Like it really has just been an incredible series of wins and then just two really bad losses. And you'd hate to really see a third loss tarnish what these guys have done this season. I think that the goals except for themselves are, you know, clearly to continue on and, and go to the cotton bowl. And I know that's your guys's goal here as well, but it's hard not to say that they haven't turned honestly the reception of Tulane football around is that something that is a little more unique to this university is kind of the disconnect between fan engagement, the university's engagement and the football program. And it's all come together this season, I think, in a way that blew everyone away. And it, you know, being an alumni last year, being my first season, just to have these two seasons, I don't really know what's going to top them, to be honest with you, but I, I think they've already really shown that they've set the standard for excellence and really just manifested their own reality by saying that stuff months, almost a year ago. Do you believe then in the concept that they might be a team of destiny? I hate to say those kind of things because, you know, it's ultimately 60 minutes of football with contact situation and the ball rolling one way or the other, but this whole season has kind of felt that way, uh, you know, to, beat Cincinnati at home. They were the first team to do it in 32 games. And I think it went over the span of five years and, you know, they've, they've suffered some serious injuries. And then you have Jarius Monroe, you know, making first team as the backups who's came in in relief since Jaden Kennedy tore his ACL against Memphis. They've just, the hits they've taken this year just really haven't seemed to phase them at all. in this one and no mentality, it, it's what got them over your guys's game. I'll say, I'll say that the way they came out against SMU, I think shocked everyone. Uh, there. You know, I expected them to have a good response, but that mentality of just flushing it down the toilet and moving on and being better for the next opponent has just gotten them so far this season that it does feel like, yeah, at least for on Tulane side of things, this would be the perfect ending to the story um, for you guys. I, I Not in a bad way, but I think it would be the perfect spoil upset just based on the narratives of this season because you guys are leaving the conference where the only one staying, and then it's just, you know, the fall to the rise to almost losing Willie Fritz to him staying to coach this game. I'd like to think Destiny's on our side, but I'm a Saints fan, so I'm cynical about Destiny. So what's your score prediction? Oh, here okay. we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Put you on the spot, Maddie. I, I don't think I can give one for this game because I'm so afraid of jinxing things that I physically... That's why I asked, Maddie. <laughs> I and yeah, based on the last time, I, I like can't say you guys win. I but I cannot respectfully give a score. I think this one is going to be similar to the 38-31 result that we saw the last time. Because I think it's clear that both teams have kind of figured out how to exploit those vulnerabilities on each other's defenses, but neither defense is gonna let it get out of control. But they both know what's on the line here, and I expect them to both pull out every trick in their bag to get that extra touchdown and, and run away with this. So I see it being much more high scoring this time. I think I heard UCF 38-31 is what I think I heard. <laughs> Maddie, appreciate you joining us again on Suns Live, and I'll see you Saturday in New Orleans. Looking forward to it. See you guys then. It might actually be raining. I did see your forecast about nice weather. I would double check that several times before Friday because things Ooh. change every 30 minutes here. So just a tip. Good note for Knights fans traveling to New Orleans. Thanks, Maddie. All right. See you guys. All right, Adam, Mike, who you got? Final score. All right. I've tried this every, every time I keep saying the wrong one. I've tried this every time, Trace. I can't really figure this out. I think we're going to blow somebody out. We don't. I think we are. We, 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 it's close. I have no one to do. So I'm going to go 34, 33 UCF. I think we're, we haven't seen it all year. I think we're due for one. No, An overtime it. thriller. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe double overtime, a la 2017. Give me a high-scoring game, 44-41, Knights. 33-24, make it a two-possession game. UCF wins. Goes to the Cotton Bowl. 
All right. It's good to catch up with Maddie and uh, get a little preview of that game. Should be interesting. A lot of narratives in this one. Uh, Saturday afternoon. We're going to see how it plays out. Let's go around the kingdom real quick uh, before we open that mailbag. Men's basketball falls to 5-2. and two. They lose 66-64 to Miami. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, AAC Freshman of the Week, second straight week. Uh, Adam, it was good to see Darius Johnson get some meaningful minutes. 24 points here in this one. Having him back in the lineup is a good thing. 15 in a row at one point, Trace, and he, he single-handedly kind of led that comeback. Miami was up pretty big for a while there. He leads the comeback, uh, and that's great. He's obviously coming off an injury. You know, the team had played well without him, so it's always tough to kind of integrate yourself back into the lineup. But, you know, for those who forgot, you see what kind of player DJ is, what he brings to the team. So uh, another weapon. Uh, obviously, scoring has probably been a little bit of a concern the last few games. You, you like to see DJ, especially the way he was aggressive, the way he found his own shot. Uh, came up just a little bit short, but um, definitely good to have him back on the court. Let's hear from him on what he thinks are this team's strengths. Uh, the team is great. I think we have a lot of guys on the perimeter that can score the ball. We have a lot of length on the team. And defensively, I think we're underestimated. I think we have a great defensive team. And I think once offense gets going for us, we're going to be a really tough team to deal with. Mike, you feeling it? You feel good? Yeah, I feel better than I did at the beginning of the year. They're, they're playing well. So they got to keep it going. Like I said before, we've seen this before in non-conference games. I want to see what it's like a month from now, two months from now. Got a couple of guys writing for us at twonightsmedia.com. John Weiss is doing opponent previews, and uh, new this week, Leo Rodriguez is doing recaps. You'll find those on twonightsmedia.com. Sunday, December 5th, they're back home against Samford. Women's basketball, right before we came on, they moved to 6-0 this season. Uh, they won over Sam Houston 67-55. Perfect under City of Messer. A little bit harder on Saturday. They are at Auburn. So we'll see if uh, they can extend that to 7-0. And now volleyball, uh, they are uh, 21st ranked, 27-1 overall. A lot of awards uh, announced this week, including McKenna Melville, uh, not only Offensive Player of the Week, but she's AAC Player of the Year. It's a three-peat for the award. Uh, Amber Olson, AAC, AAC Setter of the Year. That's back-to-back. And now the NCAA tournament, they are up in State College, Pennsylvania. They face Yale in the tournament on Friday. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Winner will face Penn State, UMBC, Maryland, Baltimore County. Uh, they play as well on Friday. So let's see now with McKenna Melville, Amber Olson, the super seniors, how deep they can go in this NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen this team obviously have good regular seasons and not be able to put it together in the in the postseason. So uh, last ride for McKenna Millville, uh, a three-time, uh, three-peat uh, AAC Player of the Year award is is, is damn impressive. Uh, but let's see how it unfolds in, in the playoffs. Unfortunately, we haven't seen him have success there. Maybe this is the year. Yale's a tough opponent. Penn State's not any easier. So uh, the draw gave, gave us no favors. But um, you never know, Trace. You never know what can happen. But let's see. let's see what the team can do in the postseason. Do it in the playoffs. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I knew. We have to. I mean, this is the best team we've ever do, had. Do you we've remember ever... they did They did win uh, in their opening round game last year? Opening so round. Just... I mean, let's let's make a run here. Come on. Get get out of this little bracket and move on to the next weekend. <laughs> little, <laughs> little, little bracket. I will say this, though. With McKenna Melville, Amber Olsen, if you're going to have that deep run, this is the time to do it. Uh, with yeah. just one loss on the season and – Five Pete there is AAC champ. So uh, this is this is the year. All right. Mailbag time. Well, I mean, uh, you can't announce that, Trace. I, that can only be announced by one person. It's that time again. Let's open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. <laughs> How many takes does that, Brian? Brian, by the way, as we are talking now, en route to New Orleans with a car full of people. Be safe in your travels. Some walk-in talks this week as well. Yeah, here's our first. This comes per courtesy of our friend Ryan. Hey, guys. Santa Knight here. I just was wondering, does Trace deserve a raise? I think he does. We're taking Venmo, Ryan, if you want to send in any contributions. I uh, love you know, that PayPal, you know, whatever you need. The guy wears a Santa hat all year. Now it's finally Christmas time. He's got the Christmas tree in the background. No Santa hat. <laughs> it's fair <laughs> it, it does seem a fair critique but since we're doing contract negotiations right here live <laughs> mm -hmm. yes yes 
please, please see Andy, who is uh, who's in charge of all Andy's talking about getting health care benefits and a 401k plan. I'm sitting there going, wait, what's yeah. going on? Well, he, uh, Trey, that, he's got to buy all those shoes, man. Those aren't, those aren't free, you know. Those shoes has cost he, money. Has he covered up the shoes now during the show? There's some I'm sort of camera in that. front of the shoes. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah, the last show before we record, I turn around and I see Andy like hanging something up on the wall. And I said, what are we doing? He's like, ah, it's my wife's shoes, my shoes. So I think he's getting a little... Uh, I don't know, a little embarrassed, a little shoe shy. I'm not really sure. <laughs> a little shoe shy. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. Send him that extra bet, uh, flag you got there. Maybe you can cover it up with that. Uh, that flag has been given away, Mike. Happy to announce that. We found Jacob from the Sons of UCF Pool Tracker Tournament. Jacob found us, tracked us down. He is the runaway winner. And uh, he and I have been messaging. He's the winner of the, uh, the extra Big 12 flag I have. So that'll be going to Jacob as part of winning Robert's favorite prize, the Pool Tracker Award. M- Mike, he, he was like 30 games over five. How, how did he do this? 67, I don't know. 68 wins or something like that? Yeah, I think he had the almanac that Biff stole in Back to the Future. There's no other way to explain it. I've, I've never seen a heater like that. <laughs> well, Jacob, uh, if you're listening, who's going to win this one? <laughs> because it's a, it's a big one. Yeah, Jacob, if you're watching, drop that in. Who's, who's winning, just so we know. Um, uh, and, and we defeated the Banneret, right? Uh, the comfortable lead over the Banneret. So go team son. Sure. So that's, that's a good thing. Uh, another walk and talk. We do. This is uh so this is I, I uh, uh, this is a submission from a um, a listener, but it's a it's a proxy question, Chase. Hey, sons, it's Ben Chase here, uh, the guy who's on that crazy ultimate college football road trip. I, I stopped in Tucson and I dropped Wild Bill off at the last exit because he was talking too much. You may know me from UCF games such as this year's SMU game or the 2017 War on I four. Anyways, I don't want to talk too long because I don't want to get Peterson. But two letters, two words. I had a question for you guys. If you were on the Ultimate Culture Ball Road Trip, which three members of UCF Twitter Mafia would you take with you? Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, that's all I got for you. Go Knights, charge on, and hopefully I see you guys at the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> Proxy. This is taking on a life of its own. That was hilarious. Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. That's a good question, though. Who would you Who would you take along with you? I mean, I take you two, of course. I mean, I have to take you two guys, and then I get one wild card spot. You know, I'm, I'm Mike hung out with him this week. Seems like a, a fun guy to watch a game with. Give me Dolly Drama. I'll take. I'll, I'll bring Dolly along for the journey. So us three, us two, and Dolly Drama. That's our. That's our. I've yet to meet Dolly. By the way, that was hysterical, Mike. When you were your top five list, which had eight items, but the different points that you were making about the people was 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 really fun. Yeah, I've met some great people all season long, really, going back to the, the first game at the Den and then the tailgate we did for the Louisville game. And I've been back at the Den a bunch of other times. And now this week going to Tampa, I've met a lot of people. And Dolly, Dolly is up there. You know, I have to bring Mario with me. I think Mario oh, is a good one. Yeah. He's got to be the guy. And plus, he loves to drive. So I'll put him behind the wheel. Um, Questionable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my boy, Brian W. Peterson, the, the guy – He's a mensch. I've hung out with him for a couple games now too. Uh, we got a nice, uh, we got a nice uh, text message chain we got going during the games and all that stuff too. And and one of my new favorites, Jackie. We, we do touchdown shots after every touchdown. I don't know if I can leave her out. So that, that might be my three. Well, in the car, that's going to be kind of challenging. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to get to the game. Do you? We've we've left uh, Robert two letters, two words, who I'll be hanging out with in New Orleans. Uh, he's he's out mm-hmm. of the, out of that trip. But it's good that Brian is, or Brian maybe drive off the road now as he's listening to the to the show. <laughs> oh, Brian has a question, by the way. Yeah. Uh, was the USF outcome a best case scenario? We can walk away with victory, but it's also a stark wake up call on this team and coaches to get it together before the AAC championship. I don't know. The wake up call was Navy, and you saw what happened in the second half of USF. I, I, I think, as you said, we don't know which team shows up, and um, I don't know that they do. Yeah. If we need a wake up call at this point in the season, Trace, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the one thing I did like about what I saw in the cow game was how we started fast. We came out on both sides of the ball. We were playing really well. That's what I want to see us do is have that energy. If what we needed to do was, was stumble a little bit against the cows to get me that, then I'll take it. But ultimately I, I want to see them come out with that same sort of energy. I feel like sometimes we come out, we kind of feel the defense out off, uh, you know, defense kind of fears out what's going on. I, I want to see us come out and play with energy, play fast. So if we needed that to make that happen, then sign me up. Yeah, I don't think there's any wake-up calls. This is a championship game. You don't need any wake-up calls. You don't need any pep talks. You don't need any of that stuff. This is for all the marbles. Go out there and bring home the trophy. 
Golden Knight underscore the second. Which win versus the Cows was most frustrating to watch, Mike? You're a historian on this. 13, 17, 21, 22. 22. It, there were a lot of frustrating. The 13 one was very frustrating, too. We were the much better team. I think they were a two-win team that year. And another one where we kept turning the ball over. Storm Johnson fumbled. Blake, there were interceptions. It was very similar to this one, uh, except we never got a big lead in that one. So that was very frustrating. This year's obviously was frustrating. How about the 2020 game? Nobody, Everybody seems to forget about that. We thought we were going to blow them out with Hypel, and somehow we're in a shootout with them. And it's like, uh, well, I don't even know what the final score was. It's both in the 40s, 50s. So there's been a bunch. It's hard to pick one. At N-E-I-S-E-N-H-A, please explain why pooch kicks are ever a good idea. Again, what happened was not what was meant to happen. That was not the way the kick was supposed to go. Coach Malzahn was frustrated about where it went, but it was supposed to be squibbed much further. Yeah, I don't, I mean, do they practice this? Is that something that they they're practice. doing, you know, do it a little bit more maybe, maybe maybe one more <laughs> rep next time to make sure practice. we get that we get that right. I mean, like Mike and I said in the podcast, like kick that thing as high as you can in the air, you know, let, let the team run under it, make one of those up men, you know, put a hand up in the air and let's call it a day here. I don't know why we, why, why we try to get cute with these things. So maybe never again. Mike Hughes play against them. I don't think they wanted that at all. At Lonely UCF, Mike, how much money did T Will have on USF to cover? <laughs> About three fifty, <laughs> at least. He had to have something. Uh, but if, like I said on the show, it wasn't all on the defense. You give them the short field, you, the turnovers yeah. that killed you. They couldn't they tackle. No, they couldn't tackle. But I mean, they were off the field for one play, and then they had to get right back on there and try That's to make fair. a stop. It's hard to ask. At QC Hef, as the coaching carousel begins, T. Will's name isn't uh, being tossed around just yet. Does that mean he stays at UCF another year, or will that change after championship Saturday? Still early. I mean, it's still early in the coaching carousel. Domino. What do you think of some of the coaching moves, by the way? Uh, Herman now at FAU. It's a good hire for FAU. I mean, that's a really good hire, I think. I mean, he's obviously had success at the group of five level. He knows the American Conference. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're they're heading in there now, want to make a splash. I think that's a good hire for FAU relative to where they were. Um, some of the other hires are interesting. I mean, you know, Matt Rule, sure, whatever. Hugh Freeze, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, stuff going there. I mean, there's some connections to Gus's staff. I think we have to watch what goes on at Auburn. G.J. Kinney. With a, G.J. Uh, Kinney, now, at Texas now a head State. job at Texas State. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the next domino, I'm, I'm curious to figure out what happens with the NFL. And, and are there coaches who jump? There's always one surprise coaching move last year, Lincoln Riley to USC. Something else is going to happen this year, surprising. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to figure, figure out what that is. But I don't think we're anywhere close to having this figured out yet. Mike, uh, Dion, what do you think he ends up doing? Dion is all about one thing pay the man wherever he's gonna get the most money is probably where he's gonna go money and control um I don't know I, I don't really want to see him end up with the cows I don't want to see him end up in Cincinnati so I'm hoping for Colorado he'd be an odd fit in Colorado wouldn't he it's, it's just the Pac-12 seems like out of his recruiting you know he may just be trying to get as much money as possible and not go anywhere and then just have his name out there and then next year find a, you know, an even better job at sublime underscore night, you can trade all three losses. Oh, I hate these questions. You can trade all three losses this year for a single loss to USF. The championship game would be at home, probably rated top 15, but you leave the series tied and have a fresh loss to USF. Do you take it? No. Get out. No, no. No. No, sublime that means they They've ruined the perfect season. <laughs> no, there is so no online is he's banned for one week from questions. He's banned for one week. <laughs> oh, this is a first. <laughs> banned one week. This is a first. Unless you get a Suns Plus membership, and if you <laughs> well, pay, you, if you, pay you, can, you can have your ban lifted. At nope, uh, Devon nope, Swage, nope, if Mike. Hard pass. Here we go. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and by the way, Lauren, I would love to car trip with you. I have been with Jan and Britt. Uh, so oh, I yeah, you didn't answer that question, by the way. You get Mike answer. and I in the firing squad here. Yeah, I, I stayed. I stayed out of that. Uh, at Devon Swage, if Mikey starts this weekend, which we do not anticipate happening, and brings the trophy home to Orlando, how on earth does UCF let him walk away in the portal? I don't think it's going to be UCF say at that point. Um, guys come up big when you've asked them to, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think JRP seems to be starting by all accounts at this point. If something happens, we'll <laughs> see what goes on from there. Um, but yeah, I think... I think Mikey's going to have to make some decisions. I think we all probably understand what he's looking at. Uh, as much as I'd love to keep the kid here forever because he's just a, a good kid to be around, makes plays when you need to make plays, I think he's going to figure out what's best for him. So that's going to suck, but we always have the good times, Mikey. Mike, uh, at C-R-O-W-K-E-R-4, talking about the Mikey JRP. 
Are we going to have to go through this all over again? Do we have to endure it again uh, with, with the quarterback? It's been the theme all season, hasn't it? A division cool. in the fan base on this topic. Yeah, and if Mikey wins this game for us, a championship game, you're going to have to endure it. And we're going to talk about it for another month leading into the New Year Six. I would travel Lonely Bumblebee with the dudes on the mall. <laughs> At Mary Ashbaugh 6. What do you think will change for play calling on Saturday? Uh, which I think is interesting, right? You heard uh, Maddie say, uh, you know, Tulane's got to start off better on both sides of the ball. But you know how well JRP ran the ball early uh, and often against Tulane and UCF got up on a lead. Um, what, do, what do you think they change? I, I think you guys talked a little bit about this. Don't outthink this, Gus. Uh, don't start passing the ball. You got a lot of running backs. Run the ball. If not JRP, other people can run. Let everybody run. Shame, shameless plug. Again, the, the breakdown film uh, review that we did that's on YouTube, myself and Andy from UCFXOS, uh, he highlighted uh, in the Cincinnati game a wrinkle he saw on the Tulane defense was essentially was dropping a, an, a line defender to kind of be in those short throwing windows, which is something that Navy did against us as well, too. So now you've seen Navy's tape against us. You wonder if Tulane will use some of that. Now, I would say, obviously, a lot of that tape would have um, have a lot of Mikey Keene clips in there. So I agree with you, though, Trace. I just don't want Gus to outthink himself. And that's my biggest concern is that my headline this week in the show was Maniac Malzahn. Is I, I don't want him to outthink himself. I think we, we stick to what we do. Uh, we figure that out. I think you have to establish the run, though. But I think Tulane's going to want to make JRP a passer. Um, and so we'll see how that works out. Mike, at Zeebles UCF, which makes you more nervous? JRP not being 100% healthy or Tajay Spears being 100% healthy? Spears. I think that's easy. I think it's definitely Spears. He's going to be the guy we have to key in on. If uh, Plumlee is not 100% healthy. I'm okay with Mikey Keene. I mean, we, we've seen it all year. So uh, to me, if you give me those two options, I'd rather not see Spears at all. Uh, Adam at Rejoice Nights says, Gus more committed to the player or to his own ego? Ooh, going dark there, Spice. <laughs> Jeez. Look, I, I th- to be fair, I flip-flop in this question throughout the year because I think there were times where I felt like there maybe was a little bit of stubbornness. But – Look where we are. Look where, how we, how we ended up. I think we definitely saw um, you know, some some things that maybe we didn't always have correctly. So I, I think he is probably looking out for the best interest. But every football coach is stubborn. Every football coach has an ego, and I do think Gus is probably going to use some of that as he makes decisions. But the result is we're here playing for a championship in two days. It's tough to argue that some of that was incorrect. Mike, it's got UCF fifteen. Does UCF perform better as the underdog in important games? You like that underdog role this week. Yeah, I mean, it's worked for us in games like the Fiesta Bowl against Baylor and the Peach Bowl. But you know what? We've done pretty well as the favorite in championship games. I think every time we've been favored in championship games, we've won. And the two times that we've been the underdogs in championship games, we've lost. Both of them to Tulsa. So um, I don't think it really matters if you look at it that way. At Barriac, favorite place to eat and favorite place to drink in New Orleans. Anywhere on Bourbon Street, you'll be fine. And really anywhere you eat. Yeah, Trace, that's just for you. That's your question. Yeah, I mean, you're fine anywhere in New Orleans. Between food and drink, you're good. At Esmaro, top five current nights to enter the transfer portal. Mike, you got eight of them? Yeah. (laughs) That I'm scared of? (laughs) I'm scared of all of them leaving. I mean, it's 2022. Anybody can enter the portal. But we mentioned Mikey Keene, obviously. Um, I've heard rumors uh, of maybe Ryan O'Keefe. He's got an extra year. Uh, Johnny Richardson is probably a guy that's going to be gone. He, has, he hasn't got uh, too many touches this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he enters. Uh, punter entered the portal this week. A punter entered the portal. Yeah, there you go. Well, he didn't enter the portal, Trace. You actually can't enter until Sunday. So he just he said he's going to enter. So he actually may play on Saturday. I think that's something to watch to see if he's on the field on Saturday because he, he, he technically isn't in the portal yet. Yeah. But I think so. Uh, uh, why, 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 why mention it, though? Yeah, you get out there early. I don't know. My prediction is I think we're going to lose, obviously, quarterback Mikey. I think one to two running backs, as Mike said. Mm-hmm. Our running back room is getting crowded. Um, there's not a lot of touches to go around. I think one to two running backs. I do think one to two receivers. Um, keep an eye on a linebacker. I'm really worried about our young secondary. Keep an eye on the corners uh, that we have out there, particularly the guys who have gotten uh, playing time. Brandon Adams, Corey Thornton, Justin Hodges. Those guys all concern me. At NightFan94, what position biggest target for the portal shopping this offseason? Lines. Uh, offensive Lines. line. Linebacker, too, man. I mean, I, I think we've got to get more depth there. We've seen how that's hurt us throughout the year. Mikey, agree at Crash Cart 1. Biggest area in need of recruiting, which, by the way, we're going to have early signing day coming up soon. 
Yeah, it's always moving into the Big 12. That's going to be the biggest thing that we're going to have to catch up on. We've always had no problem with the skill positions, even when we played the better teams. But the offensive line, the depth on the offensive and defensive lines have to be the key. At M underscore M and UCF, where we stand with John Walker. Well, just going by what Coach Malzahn said during Monday's media availability, uh, he feels good about everybody. And now he just Cruden's needs to going, all Trace, in. come on. He said Cruton's going really good. <laughs> like, really good. <laughs> He has been really speaking good. that up. So uh, that, that ramp up to the Big 12, you would hope so. At Rock Solid Dennis, other than Orlando with a bounce house, what was the best AAC destination, best stadium to visit? For me, the best experience in the American was uh, is seeing UCF at Navy. Just the tradition mm-hmm. and uh, everything that goes along with the Naval Academy. Uh, that was the trip I enjoyed the most. Uh, he's also asking about uh, favorite press box. ECU has built a, a fine facility, but... Yeah, you can't beat the the cows rented home. That is an NFL ready press box right there in Tampa. So um, sight lines are a little bit, they got you kind of angled it from the end zone, but uh, uh, state of the art there. So at Spursy night, best all time American athletic conference moment. I assume he means with us in it, right? Um, I, I would assume, just like Maddie said, that she uh, not not snap, uh, not selling a lot of tickets. If you if you're just a random fan, we're probably not going to give anybody else uh, a credit. I mean, Mike Hughes. Uh, yeah, I mean, so if I, I assume this requires us to have an actual a conference opponent we're playing. If that's the case, then yeah. uh, I'll go reservation for six. There's so many though. I mean, the Hill Perriman to win the conference too. Um, the, the Louisville game. You know, the first real big win in this conference when we were underdogs at Louisville, down three touchdowns, uh, and, and both championship games. And the, the double overtime in 17, and then the comeback in 18, there's a lot to pick from. I'll just say this, that uh, being a part of the celebration after the 2017 AAC championship win, I think if you were in the stands and you were watching that, that was a special moment, uh, knowing what you had in front of you, Mackenzie Milton and Shaquem Griffin. How about Shaquem this week? Uh as part of the uniform reveal for the Knights. Uh, it's great how they have worked uh, guys back in, uh, that they stay connected to the program like that. And how about uh, the big news now that it looks like this playoff is going forward, which, uh, you know, back to the question asked about uh, the importance of, of this American Athletic Conference championship game. Uh, this might be UCF's best chance uh, for at least a little while with this transition to the Big 12 uh, to find itself in a, a really important game at the end of the season. Yeah, we got to take care of business. I mean, that, that, there's no question about it. We have a good opportunity in front of us. We fought to get here. Uh, a lot of things had to go on our way, and, and we figured out a way to make all those things happen. You know, we had some, obviously, some downs, but here we are. I feel like it's a house money game. Like, you know, there's so many things, so many things that could have happened and, and did happen that could have not had us playing here, and yet here we are. So you might as well go out and win the whole damn thing while you're there, right? The playoff expanding is going to be the best thing for college football, and it's going to be great for us. Every season we've come into the year knowing – we really have no chance of making the playoffs from now on being in the big 12. Even if you don't win it, you can be the second team coming out of the big 12. It's possible to make the playoff every single year. So Adam, you got the uh, XO show with Andy now up on YouTube and a reminder, uh, give us a five-star review uh, and uh, we'll draw for some Colton Boomer merchandise next week on all the new ones that we get. We'll randomly select somebody to, to win something from uh, coltonboomer.com. And, uh, you know, we got a question in the mailbag last week from uh, one of the marching knights, Eric Solberg. And I reached out to him. I said, hey, you guys want to do something to end the show? And he was good enough to put something together during their practice. It's so good, by the way, that they're going to send part of the band up to New Orleans. That extra noise and extra energy and enthusiasm will be good for all the Knights fans that are traveling to New Orleans, including the band. Brian W. Peterson and his gang, be safe in your travels flying or driving. Uh, need a big crowd up there on Saturday and where you're watching from home, bring the energy as well. Let's end with the marching Knights for Adam and uh, – Mike, I'm Trace Trollco. Go Knights, everybody. Check on. Hi, I'm Eric Silver with the Marching Knights Drumline, and thank you for watching Sons of UCF. Go Knights! Sports Social Podcast Network.